right, let's read our verse for today. From John 4, it says this, verse 28. Then leaving her water jug, her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. The word of the Lord. It's kind of a, kind of an applause. Kind of, yeah, we almost, get it out of your system. Yeah, come on, the Word of God. The Word of God is so, <laughs> uh, you got to love awkward moments in church. Uh, well, we're um, at the tail, we're at the end. This is the end of our series. If you're just visiting us, we've been in a series called Well Said, Spiritual Gospel Conversations, and we've been looking at this moment between Jesus and a conversation with a woman and the power of spiritual conversations uh, to change lives. And through a conversation, this woman's life has changed. We, you're going to see it and how, what that looks like to have your life changed by God. It, and I'll say this multiple times, but in this moment, you know, Jesus doesn't do a miracle by walking on water. He doesn't multiply loaves. There's no physical healing. There's none of the overt miracles, but the miracle of a changed heart, that's a changed life. That's what we're going to look at. And maybe you're coming in this morning and you feel the need for that. You need a changed heart. You know, if you've ever found yourself stuck in your own head, stuck in yourself, stuck in your life, trapped. You know, you get a broken arm, you go to the doctor, they put a cast on you, it's going to be fine. You know, but you got a broken heart. Your life is broken. Where do you go for that? Well, we're going to see that today. And um, last week, you know, I want to read to you a passage that we read last week where Jesus uh, makes a promise to a woman. We looked at last week a video clip uh, from It Can Happen to You, which is the story a true, based on a true story of a police officer who promises a waitress that if he wins the lottery with the ticket that he has in his hand um, at the diner, that he's going to split half the earnings with her, right? He's, you can take the tip or half the earnings if I win anything. She goes for the lottery ticket. And I showed a clip of the moment where the police officer, played by Nicolas Cage, shows up at the diner to let her know that they have just won $4 million. And she's looking at him in disbelief. How could you do this? Why would you come back and tell me this and share this money with me? And I love the closing line. Do you remember it? The closing line is, a promise is a promise. Now, that's true. That, that officer said that. And this is the promise that God has made to us. Maybe you don't know this. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not a believer. I want you to know something, that God has made a promise to you. And I'm going to share that with you this morning as, he, as we watch Jesus with this woman. I'm hoping you'll hear this from God to your heart. Jesus made a promise to this woman. He said to her, verse 14, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now that's something to clap about. Come on. Yeah, that is something to clap about. That's a promise. 
And Jesus uses the experience of physical thirst to tap into the deeper, more challenging soul thirst that we all carry in our life. Every human being carries a soul thirst. Every movie is based on the crisis of a soul thirst. Will I find love? Will I find purpose? Will I find fulfillment? Will I find connection? Will I find a breakthrough in this moment of my life? Will my prayers, will my longings be fulfilled? And we carry those soul thirsts with us through life, and Jesus is inviting us to discover that it's in him, it's in relationship to God that the deepest part of our soul is filled. As Augustine, the great theologian, said, our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. And so I want to unpack what it looks like to take Jesus up on this promise. What happens to our lives if we are filled with that living water? What does it look like? Last week, we ended on a cliffhanger. Jesus made the promise, but this week, we get to see what happens to this woman's life as she begins to drink from Jesus' living water, and eternal life begins to well up, get this, from within us. Not just when we die, but right here, right now, within our own soul. So what happens when we let his living water into us? We're going to look first at how this spring of water wells up in the woman and then at how it overflows to her town, okay? Let's start with the woman. What happens to her life? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar. The woman is so excited that she forgets the very reason that she's even at the well to begin with, right? She went at noon to get water for her household, and she just leaves it and forgets all about it. She is so overwhelmed by this conversation with Jesus. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So get this, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. I love this moment so much. It's my favorite moment in the entire story in John chapter 4, this moment with where we see the impact of this spiritual conversation on her life. What happens to your life if you let God take over? What is going to happen? Think about all the things that you can imagine might happen. Maybe you think, I will become a more religious person, right? And, and when I was young in my high school years, I thought for sure it just meant becoming more religious. And to me, religious was my childhood experience of going to Catholic church on Sunday, showing up late and having to sit outside. You know, my mom, God bless her heart, was trying to drag five kids to church. Four boys, God rest her soul. You know, she's not dead, but you know, God bless her soul. You know, she might might as well probably wanted to die. And we were sitting outside on this little brick wall, listening to the whole service, the whole mass on the speakers, playing with my G.I. Joe, bored out of my mind. Religious, religious. What happens if your life is filled with God and is taken over by God? This is a picture of what it looks like to be filled with his living water. Now, this has to be the most surprising moment in the entire passage, right? Because she goes, if you know the story, from a woman hiding out to a woman igniting a spiritual revival in her community. She goes from hiding to igniting a spiritual movement in her town. Why is she hiding? If you don't know her story, let me remind you. We started this whole conversation with Jesus where this woman is at the well with Jesus at noon. Why is she at the well at noon? 
If you don't know the history, you won't make sense of the moment. But she is leaving her town. She's going out to the well at noon. Now, she lives in a hot, arid area. Imagine going out and going for a run at 12 noon in the summers of Arizona. All right? You don't do it. You don't do it. When are you going to run? If you're going to run, when are you going to run? You're going to run at the crack of dawn in the morning or late at night when the heat has cooled down. So all the women would go out to the well to get water in the morning when it wasn't so hot, but there she is. She's out at that well at noon, the passage tells us in detail, because why? She's a woman of bad reputation. She's got a history, a past that has alienated her from her community. You know, when she walks by, she's the woman that all the women kind of snicker about and talk about behind her back. Oh, there's that woman. Oh my gosh, can you believe it? Oh, just thank God you're not like her. You know, maybe we can relate to that fear of what people think of us, the derision and the pain of that, especially on social media today, right? If someone just posts a picture of you that you don't like, right, boom, you feel embarrassed and humiliated in front of, you know, thousands of people that might be looking at that picture. Today, there's a fear of what people think. And sometimes we can even ridicule one another on social media for the whole world to see. And she is carrying that scarlet letter around everywhere she goes. So she's at the well. She's hiding. And get this, she goes from being isolated and alone, filled with pain and shame. She's had five different relationships with men that have ended in brokenheartedness. We don't know if it's her fault or their fault. We just know that she's got a reputation and her heart's broken. And she goes from that hiding, isolated, alone, broken woman. Look at this moment here. I love this moment because she goes all of a sudden from hiding to bold and confident, right? She's excited and joyful. She goes from hiding to hopeful. She is so hopeful and filled with so much courage. She runs back to the town where she's carried a stigma, and she's boldly proclaiming this could be the Messiah. Now, what I love about this moment is the way her encounter with Jesus doesn't diminish her. She doesn't walk away from an encounter with Jesus, the most holy and perfect human being ever to walk the earth, the most spiritual person with her shoulders hanging over her head. Like, oh, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a terrible sinner. Oh, gosh, I better, I better go back and tell people, you know, that God loves them. No, she doesn't go back with a heaviness. She goes back with her chin up and her chest out with this new courage, this new freedom. That's what happens when you come in touch with the living God. He sets you free from the things that want to crush your life. He doesn't weigh you down with condemnation. He lifts you up with salvation and forgiveness, his love and his mercy. Now, she doesn't run back to her community out of a guilt trip. Well, I better go back and tell everybody that God loves them, you know. And she doesn't go back to her community with an ego trip. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to set them right because now I got an inside track with God. Now I'm going to use that to put people in their place. She doesn't go back with an ego trip or a guilt trip. No, she doesn't run back to her town with a formula or a strategy to share, convert her whole town and share her faith. No, she runs back filled and overflowing with Jesus' living water. Now, I love that, right? Because when we think about sharing our faith, sometimes we can get the wrong idea about it. It's about us pushing, proving, and putting our beliefs on other people. I mean, if it's not that, then what is evangelism? Is it not? I'm going to take my faith, and I know it's right. I know it's true, the eternal life of God, the truth of Jesus, and I've got to go 
push it on other people. I've got to make them see things the way I see it. And we feel this pressure that isn't actually from God. And if you're not a Christian, you're right now going, thank God someone's saying that. Because it's not the Spirit of Christ. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about how we talk about the hard stuff. Because we get to that. But we don't start there. This woman goes back with this excitement and this soul set free. She's filled with the Spirit. She doesn't have a strategy, but she has the living water in her. I want to share a quick story with you. What does it look like today when someone is filled with that living water, when it's overflowing and they can't keep it to themselves? Right? You ready for the story? I just heard this story this week. Now, this story is going to make you feel one of two things. It's either going to inspire you or it's going to really convict you. All right? So brace yourself. And maybe if you're lucky, both. All right? This is a story of a 14-year-old girl. Did you hear that? How old? 14 years old. She said, I'm going to read her words. I sensed my school needed some positivity. She's in junior high. Do you remember junior high? How many people here felt like junior high was the pinnacle of their life? You know what? You better not raise your hand because none of us want to see it. Because for most of us, we want to know we weren't the only ones having the worst years of our life. The pinnacle of awkwardness and social stigma, right? We're all walking around with our crazy new bodies, freaking out, and our emotions are haywire, our hormones are firing. And more than at any point in our life up to then, we care what other people think of us. You remember those days? Brutal junior high. Jeez. Junior high, there she is, in junior high, and she says, I sensed my school needed some positivity. I felt led from, get this, the Holy Spirit. Let's say it with me, Holy Spirit. Yeah, the whole, you're going to hear more about him in a minute. To start a Christian lunch club, and I knew this was also an easy way to spread the gospel to the people at my school. She's 14 years old. Um, the process was not easy. Oh, you don't say. The only way a club can be approved is to get a yes from a teacher to use a room and permission from ASB and the district to start. So it's not easy. I asked, get this, 21 teachers and finally got a yes from two of them. How old is she? She's 14 years old. Listen to this story. This was difficult to get rejected from 19 of those teachers that I was connected with, but I discovered the two teachers who said yes were believers. The process took a month long once it went to the ASB president and the district. They didn't like the name of the club and felt it was too exclusive, so I decided to go around the school and ask students if they'd be interested. She's 14 years old. I mean, check this out. You guys, can you just see? I want to hug this gal. I'm so inspired by her. So I received, she says, 180 signatures. Finally, we were approved, and we got started. And the first day, we had about 30 students show up. We eat pizza, we play a game, and then I go up and ask a question that is connected to a scripture I was reading that week. And then she'll ask a question like, why do we feel the need to take revenge? She's 14 years old. This created space for everyone to respond, and then I read the Bible, and I would speak God's truth into our lives. And after that day, we've had consistently about 65 students show up to our Christian Lunch Club. I continue to lead this club and show up even though it has been difficult. She's 
14 years old. Are you inspired or are you convicted? I'm not even done. There are some students who come to just eat pizza and some of them distract and even sometimes mock, but I've noticed that they sit still and listen when we open the Bible. I always come back to this truth. If one person can leave this club knowing Jesus, then it's worth it. She's 14 years old. Does that just hit you? It's not beautiful. Even if you're not a Christian, you've got to applaud the pluck, the grit, and the tenacity of this young girl. Not pushy, not arrogant, humbly persistent to bring the goodness that she's enjoying with God for others. And I love the way she puts it. Notice the way she puts it. It's very important. She goes, to make space, she said, to make space. Now, I love that. When we share our faith, we're making space for God to touch our life and others through us. See, now that's a very different approach than I am going to show you that you're wrong and I'm going to debate you, I'm going to win you, and I'm going to convert you. That's a very different approach. To make space, not to show off how smart or brilliant or amazing I am, but I'm going to make space for you to experience God who alone can change you and save you. You see, when we share our faith, even through simple spiritual conversations, by sharing our story, we make space for God to change us and to change others in our life. Isn't that a wonderful way to put it? I love that story. Well, um, this uh, woman is filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. And I want to talk about the living water that Jesus is addressing in this passage. What does he mean by that? In John chapter 7, 38, he says this, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from where? Within them. Now, that's important because the Christian life is not primarily about adopting an external set or standard of behaviors or rituals. It is not about behavior modification. It is about heart transformation. It's believing that when you open your life to God, He is going to supernaturally, spiritually take residence within your life and that part of you you didn't even know you had, your soul, is going to begin to change your life from the inside out, within, within them. By this He meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Now, what I love about the gal's story, that 14-year-old girl, is she says, the Holy Spirit was leading me. That's why a 14-year-old girl can bring a spiritual renewal to her junior high, because she's filled with the Spirit. She doesn't have a strategy. She doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't have a degree. She's not an adult like us who's been around the block and has a reason to be confident. She is in the most awkward season probably of her life, and yet she can bring the name of Jesus to her school because the Spirit of God is filling her soul. Isn't that beautiful? It's just such a beautiful thing. When Jesus' Spirit fills us, our life, get this, you guys, our core being, is energized, emboldened, and empowered. I want to say that again. Energized, emboldened, and empowered. And I want to show you why. Because in verse 14, Jesus says this, um, the water I give them will become in them, there's that within again, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now that phrase, welling up, has 
various valences or varieties of translations. So what these scholars do is they look at these phrases in this Greek manuscript and they go, okay, I don't know what that means because that Greek isn't really used today. So I'm going to look at all the other places it's used and based on context, we're going to get the meaning of this phrase. It's used in one way to mean something that is springing or leaping. Think of the woman there with her water jar, there to get water, and she is so energized by her conversation with Jesus, by the living water that's beginning to well up in her, that she leaves, she forgets about the water jar and runs back to her town because something better than water has touched her soul. When the Spirit of God is filling us, we're energized by the joy of the love of God in our life and for those around us. Maybe you don't even know what that's like. It's like, I'm annoyed by the people around me. Do you ever find yourself annoyed by people? Do you ever find yourself annoyed? I saw this guy wanting to pull out. It was a backed up traffic. You know what? And I said, hey, and I was about to miss the light. I said, no, you come on, man, get out there. Go ahead and get through the light and we'll make it through. This guy pulls out and he wants to go the other way. So he pulls his car out and blocks the whole traffic, waiting to get across a double yellow, and everyone is blocked up while we're just sitting there and we're missing the light. Everyone's missing the light. Everyone's honking. And this guy's just like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, what's up? I'm so annoyed. Ever find yourself annoyed? Come on. That is the best that we can do on our own. And every one of us gets there, but I'm telling you, when you are tapped into Jesus and you're connected to him in your mindset, in your perspective, he begins to well up in your spirit a whole other perspective. He starts to fill you with his love for the people in your life, for your spouse. Is your love dried up for your spouse? Is your love dried up for your kids because you're just exhausted? Is your love dried up for your siblings, your parents, your neighbors, your teammates, your coach who won't give you enough playing time? Listen, I'm telling you right now, You need to get filled up. You need to be filled with living water. Energized. Number two, it can also mean to well up. It means to cut through, to force entry in. That's a whole other different meaning. One is gentle, right? Welling up. Yeah, something's welling up in me. I'm feeling some inspiration. This welling up is not this inspiration. It's like this powerful force when something is blocked and you're pushing through, when the door is jammed and you're giving it that shoulder and you're breaking through something in your life where you feel stuck. The woman is trapped and stuck in shame and insecurity and regret, and the living water of God cuts through your shame, cuts through your insecurity, and force entry into those places in your life that you feel cut off from who you want to be. Do you think this woman wanted to be ostracized from her community? Gosh, I can't wait to grow up and be alienated from my whole friendship group. I hope that happens to me. I hope everyone at my junior high thinks I'm a total weirdo. No, but there's this boldness that comes from the power of God to bring the life of God without the fear of what will people think of me. That takes power to break free from the fear of what others will think of us. Could you use some of that power? Maybe you just feel crushed beneath the weight of what other people think of you. And what Jesus is saying, then come find your identity your worth in me. And I'm going to fill you with my living water, and you're going to get so much boldness and courage from being near Jesus in your life. In high school, we called it 
liquid courage. You remember that phrase? Yeah, I was not a believer, right? But when, before you went to a dance and you had a, a guy had to dance, which was like, a, I mean, why do they make guys dance? I mean, hey, if you love dancing, dude, bless your heart. I respect that. But a lot of me and my buddy was like, oh my gosh, I don't have the courage. And then I got I to gotta kind of ask this gal out. I got to have some courage with this young woman. And you're like, how am I going to find the courage? So, oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And you, next thing you know, you are the man of the hour. You don't need liquid courage. That only take you so far. I'm talking about spirit courage. The courage that comes from being filled with the presence of God. Look at this woman. She just bursts on the scene like a radiant light, a sun shining in a dark place, and starts to declare to the whole town where she's carried a stigma, could this be the Messiah? My story, and she shares her story with her whole town. Oh, I want to ask you guys a question, a personal question. Is Jesus' spirit welling up in you? Are you living out of overflow or are you running on empty? You know, it's hard to share your faith when you're not full of the joy of the Lord and you're not full of the spirit of God. Listen, it's hard to want to share your water when your cup is empty. Are you with me? And sometimes we think, I'm not courageous enough, I'm not bold enough, I don't know enough, when the truth is, man, you need a fresh filling of the Spirit of God. You need a fresh filling of His living water. And I want to tell you, that's what this whole gospel conversations is about, that we're starting next week. It's about creating space every Sunday for three weeks for you to get filled up with the Spirit of God, not to give you this amazing tactic or strategy, but to get filled with the Spirit of God so that the life of God can flow out of you to those in your life who do not yet know Jesus. Maybe for others of us, it's, we don't even know God to begin with. And I want to talk to you what you need to do. If you want to get filled up with Jesus, you, number one, you need to bring your thirst to Jesus. He tells the woman, go get your husband. Not because he wants to shame her. He's like, go get your thirst and bring it to me. Number one, Get honest about the places of longing and pain and pressure in your life. Number two, get close to Jesus and make room for God to speak into your life. I want to tell you how you can do that. Next or Every Monday in the chapel, right over by the cafe, we have a prayer meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Everyone is invited. You could go on any Monday and find a team of people ready to help you get honest about your thirst and to get close to Jesus, and they will pray with you. People go in there are sharing depression. They're sharing deep brokenness and confusion. They're just sharing, hey, I'm having a hard week. I'm stuck in my marriage. I don't know what to do about my career. I don't know what to do about um, school. People are bringing all kinds of areas in their life, and they're learning how to get close to Jesus with their thirst and get filled up. Prayer meeting tomorrow, 1 to 3 p.m. in the chapel. Okay, I want to just talk a little bit about the town here. Let's talk about the town. Um, the woman is filled to overflowing. You can see that. But what about her town? Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because, let's try that again. Follow me. Many of the Samaritans of that town believed in him. Yes, let's try that again. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because, yeah. You know, that's what I want to get with you guys right there. Let's hit that. Because. No, I love that because. Did you just turn up my mic? Did I just get louder? I mean, let's not blow the eardrums out. But I love that because, you see, maybe we don't realize this, but see, we can carry that as a privilege or as a burden. 
But God has given you a sacred trust. If you know him, he has given you this incredible, he's given you the winning lottery ticket. Right? We talked about that last week. And you get to share it with others, like that police officer. They come to faith because of the woman's testimony. Now, isn't that something? That through spiritual conversation, through sharing our story, other people, are, we create space for other people to come to faith and to know Jesus. What does that do to you to know that you get to be a part of somebody else coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus? Think about this. Uh, recently, a study was taken of 2,000 people interviewed, Christians in particular, and out of those 2,000, 97% agreed that their, the peop, their friends in their lives who don't yet know Jesus would be better if they knew Jesus. 97% believe that that people's lives will be better with Jesus. But get this, 47% of them, those same people, believe it's wrong, these are Christians, to share their belief with somebody else who has a different belief system. 47. How do you explain that crazy gap? We believe it's going to make your life better, but I think it's wrong that I say anything about it. And maybe it's because we've got it wrong, what it means to share our faith, that we've got to go out and push it on somebody. But look at the woman. This moment is so incredible and such a turn of events because her story of shame becomes a story of salvation. The very thing that she had wanted to hide becomes the very thing that opens up people's lives to getting to know God. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says this. I love this so much. Let's read it out together. Ready? The old life is gone. A new life emerges Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. You can see this with the woman. You guys, this is what it looks like when the new life of Jesus is welling up in us. If I were to ask you, what does it look like for God's spirit to overflow in your life, what would you say? We might come up with a lot of good responses that are, in fact, legitimate. But I want you to look at this woman in this moment as God's answer to that question. Look what the Bible says. When the Spirit of God is welling up in us, we become contagious. We want other people to know the goodness of God in us, and it begins over. Look at it. It says here, look at it. Look at this woman emerging with this new life. And here's the thing. By simply sharing her story, faith begins to awaken in other people's lives. And I say simply, but we all know it takes courage, it takes vulnerability and love to share, right? Go to this next slide here. Um, and this is why it's so important, right? Sharing our faith is powerful, it's non-confrontational, and, uh, and I'll show you why. Because here, it's personal, sharing our story is vulnerable, and it's relational, and it's hard to argue with right? It's hard to argue with us just sharing our story. It's like coming in the back door. Now watch. My son recently was asked by an atheist friend living out in Washington, D.C., why do you believe all this Jesus stuff? Like, how do you know it's true? 
And this, he didn't know what to say. And he's like, I just sat there kind of like, oh my gosh, no one's ever asked me that. And so he's on the spot. And he's like, okay. And he starts telling this guy, this atheist, the story of how our family prayed for our home for 10 years, I shared last week, and how throughout that period, God kept answering all these prayers and helped us buy a house without $1 of our own money. And I go, what did the guy say to that? He just stared at me and said, whoa, okay. He didn't say anything. He was just like, wow. It's hard to argue with a story, right? You present an abstract proposition and you try to convince someone. They go, oh yeah, but this and that and the other. You share a story. Someone's just like, wow. And this woman comes into the scene without this amazing strategy. She just shares her story. I want to ask you, what's your God story? Do you know your God story? What is an example in your life where God has shown up in your life and made a difference in you. Now, I think our God stories, they can be stories of when we came to faith, but they're just stories about God's work in our life. That's all she shares. She just shares not the five points of Calvinism. She just shares, this guy knew everything about me. Okay, so our stories, our God stories, can be simple stories of God helping us, stories of God answering a prayer, or God shifting our perspective. Or how about this one? God comforting, convicting, or teaching us something. Or, you know, this is my favorite, when we share about our struggles, our doubts, the dark nights of our soul when we have struggled to trust God and God's grace in the midst of those seasons of life. Man, non-Christians love those stories because then we're being vulnerable. We're not coming across like we have all the answers. We're not acting like we know more and you don't know anything. We're just sharing our story about God working in our life. And it can happen so naturally, you guys. Someone tomorrow might ask you, hey, what'd you do this weekend? You could share, well, you know, actually I was at church and I was listening to this Bible passage and, you know, God encouraged me. God really lifted my spirit. God lifted me up. You could share a story about ways that God has moved in your life or answered a prayer. And I want to ask you to consider today when you're with your spouse or your roommates or your friends, you're driving home or you're out to lunch, to have a moment and go around the car or the table and share your God story. In the last year, when has there been a moment that God has shown up in your life, made a difference? Bring that story to mind. Hold it on the tip of your tongue. Ask God to give you an opportunity to share about a moment where God moved in your life. And I want to tell you and give you an example of, how, uh, of someone doing that. I love this story because God's going to give us opportunities when you least expect it. So this woman um, shared this testimony with me, this story of God working in her life, and I'll read it to you. She said, essentially, she said, during your sermon last Sunday on acts of service, I felt a nudge to respond yes to breakfast with a woman who had just lost her son to brain cancer. Now, this woman who's a believer, um, her son's in class, and a kid in his class had died of cancer. And so she asked this mother, hey, can we go get some lunch together. And so she got into this woman's life and just started asking how she's doing. And I mean, that's just, you guys, that's, that's just good friendship. That's just good friendship. But get this right here. Right, listen, to this. I'm gonna, let's put up on the screen this quote. This is what she wrote. During our time together, I felt Jesus prompting me to ask her where she finds her strength to continue. Isn't that an amazing question? She gets the woman talking. Where do you find your strength? So the woman shares, but watch what she says here. And through that, get this, a window 
to share the hope that we have in Jesus. I just love that because in this moment, it's not about me pushing my religion on you. It's about two people being vulnerable, sharing about how they get through and have gotten through the toughest struggles in their life. She goes on and she says this. She said, it was a beautiful Holy Spirit. There he is again, moment. And she was so tender, lots of tears on both sides. Me and my husband are praying that Jesus will reveal himself in her life and draw her near. And she's invited her to church, and apparently she's coming. You guys, that's witnessing. You see, I just hope this whole series, now that we're at the end, you look at Jesus, and witnessing isn't about going out and pushing our beliefs on other people. There is a time to have those conversations, to share our beliefs. But it comes through these doors where we share our stories vulnerably, where people open up and they go, I see God at work in your life, and it makes people curious, makes them want to know more about that Jesus, about that God, not in the abstract, but in a concrete, personal way. As we share stories and we're asking questions and we're getting to know our friends and we're asking them about where they find strength in their difficult moments, we are becoming better friends. When we go out and we start witnessing, it requires us to know our God story. And let's be honest as believers, come on, Christians, sometimes we lose touch with our God story. Are you with me? We get more caught up with the storms in our life, with the moments in our life that are difficult or painful, and we lose touch with God's presence in our life. But when we're sharing our faith, it forces us to bring our God stories to the forefront of our mind. And when you're walking around every day with your God story at the tip of your brain, on the tip of your tongue, that energizes your life of faith in a really different way. Sharing our faith is as much about changing our life and renewing us as it is about renewing others. It isn't about pushing something. It's about creating space for people to encounter Jesus. Now, I want to get the band out here. I need to stop. So, band, get up here, and let's get me to be quiet. And as they come out, I want to just close this little section here with this scripture. It's coming from the easy translation. Don't you love that translation, man? I mean, that's what we need sometimes with the Bible. Let's make it easy, right? Um, I love this translation. I'm going to, let's, I'll read it out to you. Because of what Christ has done, God has brought us back to himself as his, as his friends. Now watch. Now he wants us to keep it to ourselves and make sure nobody finds out we're his friends. <laughs> now he wants us to bring other people to be his friends too. Let's read this last part together. That is the job that he's given to us. That's it. That's it. I'm passionate about sharing our faith because, you, you, you know, if you know me, you know the story, but I won't belabor you. My friend in high school shared his faith story with me. And I became a believer. And I shared my faith with my family. And my dad told me, never tell me about Jesus ever again in your life. But then later in his life, when he was ready, he came in my room, got on his knees, tears in his eyes when he was at rock bottom and he said, please tell me about Jesus. Yeah, isn't that, that's God. Uh, I don't, I'm not as courageous as that 14 year old girl. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are emboldened, we are energized and encouraged. Do you need a fresh feeling of that living water? 
I'm going to give you a chance in a minute. But first, let's go into this song. Yeah, let's stand together. Let's sing Shake Up the Ground. So shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. watching a movie last night and it's a story of a young girl raised by deaf parents and a deaf brother who's her older brother and um, there's a there's an irony that they weave into the story the girl has can hear and so she has been the interpreter for her family her their entire life and she has a beautiful voice and she wants to sing she wants to be a singer but she's insecure and timid about letting her voice out and her music coach can see that she has a voice that has a song in her heart, but she can't just get it out. She's a little bit like, "Ah, you know, and she can't get it out. And so he's like, you know, you told me a story about how when you were young, people made fun of you because of the way you talk, because you sounded weird. She's like, yeah, because I sounded like a deaf person and people didn't would make fun of me and ridicule me. And so her voice became a place of shame for her. And so she didn't know how to let it out. And so he's like, I want you to make the sound that you made when you were a little kid. I want it right now, make it. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, whatever that sound was, make it. She goes, it's ugly. And she, he's like, then make that ugly sound. And she starts to make this ugly sound. He's like, louder, louder. And he's doing it and she's doing it and they're shouting at each other. Ah! And she's like, ah, you know. And he's like, come on, more, louder. And her little timid voice was this getting louder and louder and louder? And then he goes, now sing from that place. Oh, she starts to sing and it is just shaking the doorposts in the house. It is this beautiful moment where she finds her voice in her song that had been trapped in her heart is released in the very place where she had been ashamed and broken. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ who meets us in our brokenness and he sets us free so that our story of shame becomes a story of salvation that we can declare without fear or without insecurity. We can let it out. We don't have to be afraid of what the world's going to think of us, what they might say about us, because the love of God has instilled, it is instilling such a deep confidence of our worth and our value and our significance that we are free to be who we were always meant to be. 
That's what it means to follow Christ, to receive his forgiveness through his death on the cross, to be restored to relationship with God and to become a new person, the person you were always meant to be. And for us as followers, it is to be free from the fear of what people are going to think of us, like that 14-year-old girl, and you don't care if 19 teachers say no, you're going to keep going until the one says yes, because the love of God is that good, and you have a song to sing, and it is the love of God for a world that has lost him and rejected him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that all who believe in him will not but will have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you don't know that living water, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, or you just have a thirst in your soul that you need to bring back to God, and you need a fresh wellspring of living water, would you please just raise your hand right now? This woman went public for her need for Jesus in her life. She wasn't ashamed to say, I believe this is the Messiah. How about you? Do you need fresh living water? Raise your hand with these guys and say, I need Jesus' living water in my life right now. Maybe as, an, as a person accepting Christ as your Savior, or maybe you are a believer, but you've got to bring your thirst to God. Come on. Anybody else? I see you. I see you guys. I see you right there, my man. I see you there, bro. Yeah, I see you with the glasses. I see you all the way back. Keep your hands up for a second. Okay, I see you over here. I see, I see you, my man, Nick. Okay. Listen, I see you over there, guys. I see you waving your hand. If you raise your hands, would you just close your eyes, put your hands out. Let's pray this prayer together out loud, right? Say it with me. Jesus. All right, let's try that again, all right? Like we don't care anymore what anyone thinks of us. Jesus. I'm thirsty. My soul thirsts for you. Please fill me with your spirit with your living water. I receive your forgiveness and your freedom that comes through your presence. Set me free with your presence and power to be who you made me to be. Energize me, empower me, embolden me. Now I'm gonna give you a moment here, guys, listen. In the quiet of your heart, ask, Jesus for what you need. Just tell him what you need right now. Lay it before God. Tell him in your heart. Just lay it up to God. Lord, we come into agreement with these dear ones. We pray that God, you would fill the thirst in their life with something immeasurably better and greater than they could have ever asked or imagined at this very moment. We thank you, God, that you want to create space in our life to fill us with your eternal life. May it fill us now at this moment. May the Holy Spirit fill you, renew you right now in Jesus' name. May the energy, the power, and the love of God begin to fill you. even though there's not a change in your circumstance, we pray that God would right now just take center stage on that situation in your life and you would see him standing with you in that very place that you need him most.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give a round of applause for those guys. Guys, you guys, I got one more thing to say. If you raise those hands, please let us pray for you. But I want to show you something before you go real quick. Show them that slide. Yeah. Next Sunday, March 3rd, 1045. Look, if you've never been a part of seeing a friend come to faith, it's not because you're not smart enough or good looking enough. It's not because you don't know enough about the Bible. It's just because you need space in your life to allow the Spirit of God to well up in you. A 14-year-old girl can step on her campus and start this club. You can be the living water of God, a wellspring of His living water, His Spirit, wherever God has put you. Create space in your life to get close enough to Jesus so He can fill you. Come Next week, I want to invite you to come at, on the 3rd on March 10th and 17th, 10.45 service during this service. Come to church in the first service. Come and do the class in the second. Invite a friend to join you. I hope I'll see you there. God bless you guys. Have a great week.